Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... Our next storyteller is another regular here at the Push. Give it up for Taylor! this already speaks for my personality. <laughs> okay, well, um, well, as he said, my name is Taylor. I'll just go ahead and introduce myself as uh, Taylor Wade Baker. Um, just hold on to that for later. Um, but anyway, my story is about return, and we're really close. Uh, we just had um, Christmas, so I bet a bunch of you have gone back to the stores and returned all the gifts that you didn't like. Uh, but what do you do when it's something that was given to you from the day you were born and you don't, you don't, you realize it's just not for you? Um, well, my story, well, let me just go ahead and take you back. Um, what, 23 years ago, <laughs> 23 years ago, and there was a 15-year-old girl, and she was, she found out she was pregnant, and she was pregnant with me. And she decided that she was going to keep the baby, and she was going to grow up that day and be a mother. Um, She realized really soon that that was a lot for her, and she held a lot of resentment. Um, She tried to hide it. She really did. She did her best. And, I mean, anyone at that age, that's a lot to deal with. But it still came out in how she spoke to me, just the way she said things. It was clear from the get-go that I came into her world and I turned it upside down and she didn't get to grow up. But that's okay. But let's go ahead and fast forward to, let's fast forward to my uh, freshman year in high school. You know, I had been doing chorus for years. I loved chorus, but my mother... She knew best, and she knew I had a talent in art. So instead of letting me take chorus in high school, she told me to take art. And if I hated it, then I could maybe try it. I could try chorus again. Um, So I did that, hated it. Uh, Spring came around, and there was a musical. And I had, oh gosh, I had missed just being up on stage singing or doing anything like that. So I came, my mom came to pick me up for something and I got in the car. I was super excited. I'm like, mom, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something completely out of my comfort zone. Because let me tell you, my freshman year of high school, I was shy as can be. And I don't know why I got this crazy idea in my head, but I told my mom, I'm going to try it for the school musical. And she said, what? you're going to try out for a musical. Okay, um, I don't think you're going to make it. And I said, okay, well, you know, I really miss chorus, and I really want to do this. She looked at me, and she said, okay, go ahead, sing. What are you going to sing to audition for it? And I, you know, being put on the spot, 
um, after hearing that, I came up with something really quick, and it was really quiet, really muffled. It was really bad, because <laughs> I was nervous. And she looked at me, and she said, well, you're not going to make it like that. Well, OK, and let's fast forward to my senior year of high school. Um, all of my friends had just, my really good friends, um, they had just moved away. I had one friend who, for whatever reason, she ended up moving in with her mom in a different city. And then my other best friend had a really bad family tragedy uh, happen while she was away um, visiting some family. And that tragedy was just so hard for her that she decided that she was just going to stay there. So going into my senior year of high school, I didn't know who I was. I lost myself. I didn't have any friends. and felt like my world had been turned upside down. Um, so I started running. That was my way of coping with it. But I didn't want to run it like during the day because I didn't want anyone to see me. I, was, I just didn't want anyone to see me or my body or anything like that. I hated it. So I ran at night, and that's how I started coping with stuff. And then I would go to school. I would come home, do homework. And then instead of waiting to have a meal with the family, it was fend for yourself. Just do whatever. Like, that's it, up to you to make your food. Which, I mean, that's fine and all, but I mean, I'm gone eight hours a day at school. I want to hang out with my family. I want to have that meal time. I've gone over to all my friends' houses. They're having these, these really nice family dinners. Their parents are asking them how their day went. But that's just not what I was coming home to. So I decided, well, if no one's paying attention if I'm eating, then why am I going to eat? So I stopped eating, um, and they didn't notice. So I was going to school, coming home, doing homework, not eating, and running, because that's what I felt like I needed to do at that point in my life. I was 99 pounds. I struggled with body dysmorphia. Um, and I had two eating disorders. I was, I wouldn't eat, and then I, if I did try to eat, which would only be a granola bar, I'd make myself throw up. Um, because I would sit at school and feel like everyone was looking at me. I thought they knew she's looking chubby. It just, that's all I thought in my head, and it was completely irrational. But I had anxiety and depression, and it was undiagnosed, and that's how it feels. You feel like the world is looking at you, and you just want to disappear. So something happens. I had a lot of health issues my senior year. I ended up having kidney stones, had to have a tonsillectomy, ended up having my, because my immune system was down, I ended up getting super sick and ended up having really bad food poisoning to the point that I had to be hospitalized for it. So even more weight loss, and I was at a follow-up appointment for something, and, you know, my mom's sitting in the room with me, and she started getting on me for something. I had no idea what, it, I can't remember what it was, but it just shook me so hard that I just looked at her, and I told her, Mom, I have an eating disorder. You don't even notice. Taylor, you're just doing that for attention. She wasn't wrong. I did. I did that for attention. I wanted her to notice. I wanted her to care. 
I wanted someone that was going to tell me, you're beautiful the way you are. I love you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I wanted encouragement, but I wasn't getting that. Well, you know, a few hours passed by. We're finally home, and she's still going at me for this. She's throwing punches left and right, uh, verbally, not physically. And um, one thing led to another, and I just ended up leaving because she told me, she's like, all right, if you really have this eating disorder, we're just going to go take you to a hospital right now. They're going to go ahead and put you in a hospital, and they'll make sure that you eat. And me, concerned about school, says, what? Like, my exams are coming up soon. I can't miss that. I can't miss more school because of all the health issues I've had. I can't do that. So she literally grabbed me by my arm and told me, no, we're going to go. And I got myself free, grabbed my keys, jumped into my car, and immediately called my grandma because my grandma, her name was on the title of the car. So I called her up, and I'm like, Nana, something bad happened between me and Mom can I come over? And also, is this is the car in your name? Am I going to get in trouble? Like if she tries to report me to the police for you know and say that I steal it or stole it? And she said, No, you're fine. Come here. We'll talk about it. So I pulled out of. This, I mean, this is a really scary driveway too. It's a huge. There, there are these huge ditches that are on both sides, and it's a horseshoe driveway. I mean, a lot of people have actually backed into it so or, and gotten stuck in our ditch. So I'm, like, trying to zoom out, and I see the lights behind me. My mom's trying to follow me. And all I can think is, I just need to get to my Nana's house, and everything will be okay. So I finally, finally got there, and it felt like it took hours, and she only lived 15 minutes away. And the next thing I know, she comes back. My nana comes back in the room after I told her what happened, and she goes, you're going to stay here. I was like, uh, is my mom going to let you do that? Because over her dead body. <laughs> um, and she said, you're going to stay with me, no questions asked, end of story. But we're going to put you in, we're going to get you a therapist, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to get you through this. But you're not going back there. We're going to take care of this now. So I was like, okay, great. Um, Fast forward to a few years later, that was my senior year of high school, so this is probably, I don't know, this was maybe my junior year of college. It was getting pretty close to me of graduating, and it's Mother's Day, and I'm working full-time. I've been dealing with really bad migraines with no explanation, so everything I do is um, basically worked around these migraines so if I felt a migraine coming it was I need to do this now or it's going to be done later or I'm not going to be able to do this so it's Mother's Day I text my mother first thing in the morning I'm like hey I will call you um, but I'm about to go into church and I'll give you a call later but I just want to let you know I love you happy Mother's Day now I'm not living at home at this point in time so she's not going to see me so that was the most courteous thing I could do, I was to tell her that. So I get home from church, I feel migraine coming on. I know that if I call her then, that migraine is not going to go away. It's going to be bad. So I go ahead and start working on this paper that needed to be finished. And next thing I know, I start getting texts saying, you don't love me, why aren't you calling me? You don't even care enough. 
I woke up this morning thinking about how I am so happy that you girls, me and my sisters, how you girls have a mother still, but I don't, and I don't get to say happy Mother's Day to her. And I know, I knew at that point in time that this was just going to go downhill. This was not going to be good at all. So I turned off my phone, and, you know, I am working on my paper, and then I get um, a message on Facebook saying, your mother contacted me, and she was talking about you, and she sent me screenshots saying, see how she really is. And it was just me and where I hadn't called her back yet. Like, okay, great. Let me finish this paper, and then I will deal with this because this migraine is coming faster than I can handle it. So I do, and I turn on my phone to hearing about how I'm going to be removed from my health insurance because I didn't call in enough time. That was a really big point in my life where I realized that this was just too much. It's hard to realize that just because someone gave birth to you doesn't mean that you're indebted to them. They say, you know, there a lot of parents will say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. But, you know, just because you're born doesn't mean that you're indebted to that person. And that was a really big turning point for me to realize that I needed to remove myself from the family. Um, at that point in time, I'd been living with a really amazing couple for a few years. And they, they, um, they took me in. And it was a few days after Mother's Day. And we were sitting in the kitchen or doing something, goofing around. And she looks at me and she goes, no matter what, you still have a mom. She looked at me and we just hugged. And it was very ceremonious. It was clear at that point that, you know just because I had a really crappy mom growing up and it just didn't, it, it wasn't healthy, doesn't mean that I can't have a parent that loves me. And from that day, she was my mom. That was who my mom was. And then this past year, this was a few, this was actually my Christmas present. Um, this past year, I decided to surprise them. Um, I kind of made it seem like I was pregnant. I had gotten... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was great. I was so excited for this. So um, I went to the store, and like Party City, and I got this dog that said... It was bright pink, and it said, It's a girl. <laughs> so I put that inside of a bag that said it's a girl as well. <laughs> and then I hid that bag in this gigantic bag. Like, I'm not kidding you. This bag probably came up to the height of this microphone. <laughs> and I stuffed it with a bunch of tissue paper. It was great. Um, but attached to the dog, it was actually the court papers where I'd filed for my name change. Um, and I got to surprise them with that. And now I'm not Taylor Wade Baker anymore. I'm Taylor Kinter. And I... That was my return. I took something that was given to me, but decided that I deserved better. Thank you. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org.
That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.